0: The unbelievable of God's word and believe in life.
1: No humanity to take God's word and tongue and prophecy go hand. This hand. is Young yes. Ecclesia Nation. Let your heart be flooded with light as you listen to the word of God in ministration. I I'm right right Pastor right right. you're
0: right. God bless you. And write everything down. Don't leave anything out. Hallelujah. Amen. How are you guys doing? Hope you're, hope you're nice by any special greeting. Any special greeting? There's no special greeting. How have you been? Ah, Should I go back home? Hallelujah. You want me to turn this I would say, if your enemy can take away your hallelujah, they've taken what your destiny or something. Is that what you would like me to say? I don't have energy for all those kind of things. Amen. I believe people should just do the right thing. What do you think? Just, eh? What do you think? Yes, After all, if we've had revolutions in the past where they were killing people, like uh, maybe Kasprov and the other guys, those of you that read your history, you see now, they say things like the revolution, and they'll be shouting while killing people, you know? If they can shout for something like that, amen? <laughs> you should shout for what is right. Are you with me? Okay, so, um, don't worry, I'll save all the pleasantries for after the meeting. For now, just go straight into the Word. Amen? Amen? Okay, so I'm going to be, um, majoring on something that I have, I started teaching in one of the devotionals. If you notice, for the past, how many of you have read devotionals? Let me see your hand. This is where God is about to catch some people. Yeah. Let me see. Uh, on those devotionals, because if you've been on them, okay. For the past two days, what have we? What have we been stressing in the devotionals? Uh huh. You read it. You know, this generation lacks one thing, and that's the ability to meditate. And that's why they forget every single thing that they, they do. What have we been on the past two weeks? past two days. Let me know if my, all the effort I spent on my like, waking up four, like like this morning, waking up four in the morning, four a.m., and losing my sleep to write devotionals. Let me see whether it goes to waste. You know? I don't know how people have seen devotionals as, as, you know, all these years. Some people have seen it as that thing that just makes you feel good that you did something religious in the morning. You know? You see some people very religious. I, I did my, my let me not call nails on popular devotionals. So I did my mm-mm this morning. Ah, my mm-mm this morning. So I was reading to my mm-mm-mm this morning. That verse in my mm-mm this morning. Devotionals. And they just, you know, feel very good. You read it. Hey, no, don't joke with it though. And those things, you know, those popular ones, they sell out. Like once this one, the one for the month drops, they sell out. I'm sorry to say, you know, a majority of them, what you read, you cannot grow spiritually on what, the, what is inside. You can't. that's on some that try, I've seen some of them that really try, you know. But, uh, you know, when me now, writing devotionals and serving it, I realize that a lot of people don't appreciate what they get in the ones that work, they don't, it's just something to glance through for your morning, oh, I just saw something this morning. That's why I'm asking people, I say, what I, even the one for this morning, people don't remember. Amen. So we've been sharing on love, uh, amen. Mm-hmm. Been sharing on love from the last uh, devotional, the last two on love, and I think the one before was what forgiveness or uh, what, what was the name precisely? Unforgivable, unforgivable. unforgivable? Question mark, Abi? And the question there was what cannot be forgiven. And if I ask you that question, some of you probably call the um, what's that thing? You say he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit cannot be what? Forgiven. Abi? That's the that's the card you pull out. <laughs> that card. And then if I ask you what do you mean, you probably you rush to Hebrews 6 and go and try to bully me from Hebrew 6. Some people don't know what Hebrews 6 is here. This one I'm even saying. Uh-huh. Uh, who, who knows what i'm referring to the whole argument okay so this word man <laughs> word man you don't know hebrew 6. Uh-uh. no there are some people here i can spell because you know their, their faces are not so frequent but how are you mumbling there what is hebrew six eh? trying to get it hey jesus no i need to put all of you on a bible like bible fast Honestly, people need Bible in one year. Do you know that there are so many of you that most of the sermons you know you've never actually seen them inside the Bible? Do you know what I mean? Like most sermons you know, you've not actually seen it in the Bible written. Even if it is written, you've not seen it written. <laughs> is that fair? It's not fair. I oh. always me? oh God. <laughs> you know there's sometimes where. You can partner with Satan to bring condemnation on somebody. Did you know? With your mouth. Did you know that? Even when you rebuke, oh, your rebuke can be right. But your timing can be wrong. Did you know that? But then when you appear before Jesus, guess what? Your rebuke is rebuke. <laughs> Do you know that? It's true. But I there's a strong, you know, you should have a Bible study life, you should, and it's quite sad because there are many, This generation, the maybe Kenyan or what generation, I don't understand because they've not seen, they've hardly seen anything from the Bible, especially the Old Testaments. You have a bunch of what guys who have never read the Bible. How does that work? You understand? There's, so you actually open the pages and look inside and read it for yourself. I think there's some conviction that will be lacking. I I, I honestly believe there will be some conv, conviction lacking. When you do not open it for yourself, look inside and say, see, this is what it says. You get what I'm saying? Yes, this is what it says. Because I'm looking at those, when Jesus returned I say, you search the scriptures, talking about those Pharisees or scribes, you say, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. Search means peruse, you get what I'm saying? They went over it over and over again. And in their own case, they even did it in a religious sense because all they saw in the Old Testament was something to keep. You get what I'm saying? So they thought that their own eternal life was anchored on works, you know what I'm saying? That they would be justified by their works. So they kept on searching it, reading it, memorizing it, knowing it, you know what I'm saying? Teaching it and, of course, struggling to do it. That was their own whatever. But the thing is that these are dead men who read this thing over and over and over again with the wrong intention, with the wrong perspective. But they read it over and over again. And In those days, I said these things were not written in chapters and verses; they're written in paragraphs. So, if you are reading, you won't know when you finish the whole book, because you see, the whole book is just what was there. There's nothing like "let's read," you know. If you is a scroll, so if you say you want to stop here, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Probably before they find that place again, uh-huh. they have to unscroll it and look till they find it. But they read it over and over and over again. So, we must have that kind of attitude. When it comes to you know scriptures, when it comes to Bible study, yes. I mean, how can you not know Hebrew six? Hebrew six. Eh? But you know, first thing, I've taught it too. I've taught it. It's probably one of my Skype calls in those days. I've taught it. Hebrew six. Should I teach it? No. Eh? Hebrew six. Let's go there. Hebrew six. It says, living, therefore, living the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands. You know, if, you, if you've not really done proper Bible interpretation, you would think that here they're talking of water baptism and laying on of hands. Let's go and Resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we will do if God permits. Verse 4, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gifts and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance. You see that? Seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to open shame. For the earth which drinks in the rain that comes often upon it and brings forth herbs meat for them by whom it is dre- dressed receives blessings from God. But that which bears thorns and prayers is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. So you can see that. So if you read just what we read, you know, okay, let's even discuss what we read so far. What is he saying? What we just read so far. Just if you just saw it, what would you say about it? Eh? What would you say about it? What does it say? Eh? Look at it carefully. What is it saying? Text like this. The truth about it is that you will never really understand Hebrews six. Till you read the whole of Hebrews. If you've not read the whole of Hebrews, or at least if you've not read Hebrews from chapter one down to chapter five, you understand and carefully consider what was written in chapter one to five. Chapter six would be looking like, you know, something to you, something else to you. Now, in Bible study, when you have what we call a contradiction, contradiction in this sense would mean that, or we call it a troublesome text. Troublesome text in this sense would mean that you have gone through the Bible, perused it, and you have seen evidence all over the place supporting something, right? Supporting a particular doctrine, for example, um, salvation, which is by what? Faith in Christ alone, right? That is not by works. We've seen it all over the Bible. Then you now see a place like James that says, um, show me your faith. I will show you my faith by my works. You know what ah? I'm You know, it's not look as if, ah, ah, but I thought you said that, that it is faith you get without works. So what's happening here? That's what we usually call a troublesome text. You get what I'm saying? Aha. Uh-huh. Or the there's the other one that says, walk out your salvation with what? Fear and trembling. And you now say, ah, but I thought my salvation is free, right? I thought all I did need to get with God is what to believe. So what's he talking about? That's when you now realize that you have to, be, you have to take a closer look at such texts. That one, for example, is actually walk out. It didn't say walk for. It says what? Walk out. You understand? But you see, when a person's mind is religious, when you look at texts, your mindset will be imprinted on the text. So when you see, it, it's like, it looks, walk out, but it's work for, walk for, you're getting. You get what I'm saying? You read a walk out, but your mind said walk for. You get what I'm saying? Aha. Uh-huh. So you have to be very, you know, you have to tell your mind to look carefully. Or the other one that says, um, faith by works. You now understand that he was actually talking about what exactly what um, Paul explained. That he says, we have been saved for good works. You understand? Talking about the fact that your faith in Christ is
1: expressed
0: is expressed that there are some actions that we used to know the nature on your inside, you know what I'm saying? So he spoke about it like, and he was actually talking about walking in love in that one, right? He said, You won't tell somebody uh, somebody who is uh, hungry, he said, Be warm and filled, and you send the person away like that empty handed. No, you do something about it's why you are saved, right? So there's an expression of that salvation, there's an evidence of the salvation. It doesn't mean that the walk is what justifies you, right? It doesn't mean it's the work that qualifies you, but no, because we are saved, there's an evidence. We should know you are saved. There should be something that follows you. There should be something that tells us that this person is different. Amen? So, Abayinama. suppression. Okay? So, when you now comes to Hebrews, right? Uh, Hebrews talks a lot about salvation. In fact, Hebrews is a book written to we call the unconvinced Jew. It's actually written to several people, but Hebrews is a book that was written with a lot of um, terms from the law. You see in the book of Hebrews, they address the ministry of angels, because in the Old Testament, you see in the law of Moses, you actually see the ministry of angels a whole lot. Many of those things that you attributed to God, like the burning bush or the um, Mount Sinai, the whole mountain on fire, and many other things like the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire that we call the glory of God. When you look at it from the New Testament, you realize that those things were actually angelic manifestations. The Ark of the Covenant, the presence that was in the most holy place, all those things were angelic manifestations. And you know, it's very, we know because, I mean, part of it, for example, you know that when Zachariah entered the temple, you know, that is the father of John the Baptist. There was no, there was no Ark of the Covenant inside the, that curtain. In fact, the Ark of the Covenant was lost since the time of Jeremiah. They did not see it again. You <laughs> it? It was lost now. You it? <laughs> no, it was, actually it was hidden, that's the truth. When they were carried into captivity, some, there's a story that says some priests, this one is not Bible, you don't actually see it written there, but from Jewish history, we know that it was lost, the there are several theories, but the, I think one of the most plausible theories is that Jeremiah and the priest took it and hid it somewhere. You know, and I think if you follow the work of Ron Wyatt, you know that they also found it. You know, but that's irrelevant to us, amen? Uh, because the real ark, <laughs> we, we were always the real ark, amen? We were always a real temple. So, you get what I'm saying? When you look from Christ's perspective, you realize that those things from the Old Testament were shadows. They were never the real thing you get. But to communicate it, some certain symbols were used. So, Hebrews is a book that it was a whole lot on those, um, how will I put it? Talking to the unconvinced Jew, right, about salvation using their law, right? John chapter 1 down, I think verse 14 says, The law came by Moses, grace and truth came by who? Christ Jesus. And I explained to you that those are not two different things. I think I explained that, Right? that the law came by Moses, grace and truth came by, that Moses, what Moses wrote is generally called the law, right? That in the law, you will actually find the elements of salvation for those who believe and you will find the elements of works for those who do not believe, right? Inside the same law of Moses, you will find it. So, the book of Hebrews just takes, you know, what Moses wrote and seeks to explain it. You get what I'm saying? Break it out and explain it to the person, the Jew, Explaining Christ from the old testament. That is what they seek to do. It's a book, it's like a book that calls you to salvation. And for you who is saved, it helps you to appreciate the details of your salvation. Are you with me? So now when look at look at Hebrews 5, verse um verse let's say 9. Verse 9. It says, I'm being made either. He said, I'm being made what? Perfect. He became the author of what? Eternal salvation. Unto all that I obey him. Now, if you read what we just read in Hebrews um, 6, you see that it says it is not possible for one who has what? This, that, you know, been enlightened, tasted of the Holy Ghost and everything, you know, um, to be renewed again, something like that. It looks, in fact, what you refuse to say is that it looks very much like that text is saying that, Regardless, like if you, what's the word? That if you have heard that there's a level you can get to where your salvation will do bye-bye. You know what I'm saying? Level of whether whatever, you know, maybe spitting in God's face that, you know, God will not say, what kind of does come? You get, and this is directly seeming to contradict the doctrine of eternal salvation. Amen? There's a doctrine, the teaching of eternal salvation. Eternal salvation doctrine, um which has been popularized by in this particular generation is really the idea or the, the doctrine that says that um, what Jesus did for us is eternal, amen? And that what he did for us cannot be undone by us. Let me say it again. It's a doctrine that says that what Christ did for us cannot be what? Undone by us or by him. That's why they call it eternal words Redemption. So you see here, He says that, um, and being made perfect, that is Christ. He became the author of what? Eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. The word obey him there is used to actually mean those who believe in him, right? There are other places where the Bible actually says that you have not obeyed the gospel. Talking about, you understand, he says that God calls all men to obedience, calls all men to repent. There are many texts like that that you actually see the word obey. It's not everywhere, but when you read the context, you realize that the obey there is not talking about, you know, oh obey God's commandments, no. The obey there is actually talking about salvation. Amen? The obey there is talking about salvation. If you are confused, it's perfectly normal. Okay? Uh-huh. That's why we also have a lot of teachings that we have done in the past. So you can actually go and get them, are you with me, to so update yourself. <laughs> because when we come back, if I want to start explaining something that I explained, three years ago, two years ago. You understand? Uh But what we do is every year, I try to visit some of those things again, amen? Visit them over and over again, (laughs) you know? So you see that, um, so he says, uh, he became the author of eternal salvation. Eternal means what? Forever, right? Author of eternal salvation. That is salvation that is what? Forever. The word eternal there is aionis, aionios. It means without begin without end. You understand? It never stops. So, author of eternal salvation. Salvation that never stops. That never stops. Never ever stops. Okay? He now says, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say and had to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. Okay, so. He says, and high brother of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered seeing you are dull of hearing so much to say in all these things but anyway verse 2 of says for when for the time you ought to be teachers you have need again that one teaches you which be the first principles of the oracles of God now the word oracle there is the first speakings of God and I become such as have need of milk and not strong meat there's so much here I can't stay here. I can't dwell on this. There's so much here. For everyone that seeks milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. But strong meat belongs to them that are full of age, even though who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So, in summary, this verse 12 to 14 is not talking to people who are believers. You know, because he says that you ought to be teachers, but we need one to teach you again the first principles. He's actually addressing people who are not saved. He's writing to the Jew and says, you, by now, you should be teachers, but now you need someone to still teach you. About what? Salvation. Because if you look in context, they're talking about Jesus, amen? They're talking about salvation. We spoke about eternal salvation, so we are talking. He's trying to address that. But he's saying that you guys, we need to teach you guys again. You should be teachers of these things, but now we need to teach you again. In our, as you ought to be teachers, but you need one teach again, which the first principles of the oracles of God and have become such as have need for milk. Milk is that you need to be what, taught again. Do you understand? Milk is what? You need to be taught again. He says, for everyone that is, use, uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe, but strong meat belongs to them who are full of age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, from that backlog of information, we now go into Hebrews 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, the teaching of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance on dead works. Repentance of dead works is just talking about you. Because remember, we're addressing the Jew. The Jew is a man who thrives on works. He's a man who tries to keep, he's a proud man who tries to keep 613 laws. You understand? yes, yeah, Moses gave 613 laws. So the Jew is one who tries his best to keep everything. Even if it's impossible.
1: <clears throat>
0: and truth be told, it doesn't make sense to be a Jew today because at least in those days, they had the blood of an animal that they used to try to kill. They had a temple and blood of animals that they used to try to at least kill to cover sins. That thing could not take away sins, to cover sins and hide it. But you don't have a temple... In fact, as I said, ever since the temple was destroyed, ever since the ark was missing, you know what I'm saying? Aha. Uh-huh. The question is that what do you now do with that? But you know those guys, very stubborn. They still built the temple again. They built it again. They were still offering sacrifices till Christ died. Even after, what am saying, after he died, maybe to 40, more than 40 years after he died, they were still offering till Jerusalem was destroyed. I think that was 70 AD or something like that, it was destroyed. Destroyed and then the Jews were scattered, about two million Jews were massacred and they were scattered all over the world. You know, it wasn't until 1914 or something that they came together again as a nation after all those years. Jews, very stubborn, stubborn, still practicing the thing. They're still killing animals. When the Bible says that the temple, the veil was torn into from top to bottom, there was nothing inside there, nothing. That veil was actually in their minds, amen? <laughs> That view, that separation you get was first of all a mental separation, you understand, as well as spiritual. It was a separation that, you understand, has been put there. It was not, there was nothing inside, it, nothing. That, it was a thick cut. nothing was inside, nothing. That's why I only opened nothing, they looked, nothing there. <laughs> Amen. So, the doctrine of Christ laying on again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. This is just talking about salvation. Many times, don't be bamboozled. it's talking about salvation. Of the doctrine of baptisms. Now, baptisms there, if you look at your Bible, you will see that the Greek word baptismos, it also means washings or purification. You understand? Washings. So, you see that the doctrine of washings actually is more, that is more, because baptism actually has to do with immersion. You get... But it's actually the doctrine of washings, because in the Old Testament, you will see the high priest, you know, they had a lot of purification they had to do. Wash yourself, wash your body, you know, to be clean. If you had your menstrual cycle, you know, you have to be outside the camp for a while, then wash yourself. Um, If you touch a dead body, you have to wash your clothes and you'll be unclean till evening. There were plenty washings, you know what I'm saying, plenty purification rites that they had to observe to, in quotes, stand before God. So he says of the doctrines of washings, baptisms, and laying on of hands. You know, say, hey, let's lay hands. This laying on of hands is talking about when they would actually bring a goat. You know, they would bring a goat. The high priest would lay his hand on the goat, confess the sins of the people on the goat, and release it. You get into the wilderness. We call it the goat of escape. You know what I'm saying? Or the scapegoat. goat. Uh I think that's what they call scapegoats. Uh So, goat of escape. The idea was that Christ would take our sins away, you know what I'm saying? To an unknown place. That was the idea. So, you see that? So, that now tells you that this is talking about the law. Are you with me? So, in context, when those guys talked about those guys who were using milk, Abby, right? He now says, let's move on from those things, you know? And let's go to perfection. That is perfection we're talking about the fulfillment of that law. You know what I'm saying? Let's leave that thing you get. And there's not again laying again those foundations of repentance, you know, and all those things. Meaning that what he calls milk here is the law. So you see that those who are still observing the law are the ones drinking milk. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, the milk there, if you go to five, that I was saying milk and talking about those who eat meat. The meat there is just talking about what is it? Don't go pick up and say, hmm. Some people are still drinking milk here in this congregation and some people who eat meat in jesus name you know what i'm saying uh-huh, be shouting the amen no you see by in context <laughs> in context is just talking about the law that you know because he's talking to the jew that you don't want to hear what that's why he has to use In fact, look at this him having to use all those elements talk about the goods talk about this one talk you know he's saying they are unskilled you know what i'm saying you're not skilled. So I have to use all these lawful, you get, pictures to paint salvation to you. But those of us, you know, that know the reality, which is what? Christ Jesus cannot jump and go. You know what I'm saying? The reality is Christ. The Bible, oh, what's that text? What's that text? Uh, okay. That now that says that the substance is Christ. Uh-huh. Colossians 2 verse 17. It says, um, from verse 16 actually, he says let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in a, in in drink or in meat or in respect of any holy day of of the new moon of the sabbath days these are all things that were ordained under the laws of moses he says which are a shadow of things to come but the body that word body there is soma in the greek the body is also the word for body, body but also it can means some texts say the substance in other words, the reality is of Christ. Are you with me? So, he's just trying to say that the law was a shadow of Christ. Do you understand? The law foreshadowed Christ. The law was a representative. It was trying to point you to Jesus. Amen? Um, Paul also says in um, Galatians that the law was a schoolmaster that brought us to Christ. Um... That is Galatians 3.24. It says, wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we may be justified by faith. So the point is that you, by just studying the laws of Moses alone, you can never see salvation. It is when you read it in the context that the law is supposed to show you Christ. The law is supposed to show you Christ. As I say, if you're here and you do not understand what i are saying, I beg eh? Because we have a whole archive of teachings go there and get some amen it will help you come to speed okay so okay so now going back to hebrews that's hebrews 6. are you guys with me huh? going back to hebrews so you now understand all this so repentance from dead works, faith towards god laying of hands and resurrection of, dead and of eternal judgment you know and this we will do if God permits. Verse 4. So it says, for it is impossible. Now, remember what 5 just said, that what? 5 just explained that he's the author of what? Eternal what? Salvation. Abhi? Don't lose that. So, 4. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift, and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, and have tasted of the good word of God, and of the powers of the world to come. The question is that this guy is born again, or are they not born again, the people is referring to here, the impossible for those who are, who are enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gifts and the particular of the Holy Ghost, and have tasted the good word of God, are they people who are born again or are they not? They are born
1: again. Eh? They
0: are born again, Abi, they are saved, because obviously to say, to have tasted the, gifts, uh, the heavenly gifts and particular of the Holy Ghost obviously means you are saved and have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. You know, he's using different terms to say the same thing. Do you get? Uh-huh. Enlightened is still salvation. Tasted the heavenly gift is still salvation. Where made partakers of the Holy Ghost is still salvation. Do you understand? Uh-huh. And have tasted the good word of God is still salvation. And the powers of the world, what is a it? power? Uh-uh. It's the Holy Ghost. The world to come is salvation. Are you with me? Uh-huh. There's another place he uses that word to come. You get in Hebrews 12, I think. He's still talking about the same thing. He says, verse 6, Now, he says, If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance. So, okay, look at that. It's impossible for those who were once enlightened. Blah, 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 if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified themselves the Son of God afresh and put into a, you know, an open shame. Now, look at this. It says, it if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto towards repentance. So, what does they shall fall away mean? What does they shall fall away? Eh? Yeah? What does it mean? Uh, well, actually, fall away there... <laughs> Uh, is the word uh, parap parapito or something like that. You understand? Uh, It means to fall away. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, there's even one, it's from two words. One of the words actually means to descend from a place. You understand? To come down from a place. Um, Figuratively, it means to apostasize. You know, apostasy, that is so he says, "We shall fall away." it says, "To renew them again unto repentance." To renew them again unto repentance. Now, um, that actually is a change of mind. That word, repentance, is still the word metanoia, you know, which is a change of mind or thinking. If we shall fall away, he says, "To renew them again." That is to renew to, you know, again unto repentance. Now, let's look at this from as far as he says, "For it is impossible." Now. Let's remove all those that were enlightened and everything. We know that it's born again. So, verse 4, it says, it's impossible you get, if they, if they shall fall away, to what? Renew them again unto repentance. Right? Aha. Uh-huh. Repentance, there is a change of thinking. Do you understand? A change of what? Thinking. So, it's impossible for those who, whatever, to renew them again unto what? Repentance. Repentance, there is what? A change of mindset. That is, to bring them back to a certain change of mindset. Well, it says it's impossible, actually. You can't renew them again. Do you know why? <laughs> because they've already been renewed. Does that make any sense? Like, you can't renew them again. You can't. It's like talking about regeneration. The miracle of regeneration, you cannot renew them again. It's impossible because they're already renewed. Because, you see, in the book of Hebrews, the word eternal eh, is used so many times. you see eternal salvation. you see eternal. The capital, Eternal is everywhere. So, when you see eternal all over the place, you now come and see a text that looks like it's saying... It is not eternal. Then you now say, okay, what's going on? When you read it, you realize that, look, it says, if they fall away, it is impossible to, work, to renew them again. The falling away is not that they lost in nature. Do you understand what I'm saying? The falling away there is not the loss of the nature. If I want to use the word that we normally use today, I'll say it's backslide. Do you understand? Backslide. Uh-huh. Backslide. If you backslide, you, you cannot renew the nature of a baptismal person because the person's nature is still renewed. You know what I'm saying? You know, someone said, but how do you, I asked, I asked somebody, I said, how do you change your nature? To change our nature from nature of sin to the nature we have inside us, that nature, it needed to be, what's the word? To change our nature, it, it took the Christ's death and resurrection. You know what I'm saying? Aha. Uh-huh. So you now have a new nature. The Bible says you are sealed with the Holy Ghost. And I've explained that thing, that it means it's like you pour water into water. You know, get what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So you are renewed. You are, you are one. What's that? first Corinthians 16 that we always read. What does it say? Um, what's that text now? One, leading of the spirit, I read. Uh, yes, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So the question is now, how do you separate one spirit? Do you get know what I'm saying? How do you separate one spirit? When it says nothing shall separate us from the love of God, right? Uh-huh. Uh, Aha. <laughs> Aha. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is, you know, the word Kai, the love of God, which is what? The fellowship of the Holy Ghost. Right? Be with you and forever. You understand? So, the love of God is what? The Spirit of God inside you. Do you get what I'm saying? Aha. Uh-huh. The Spirit of God. The evidence of God's love is His Spirit inside you. The evidence of God's love is what He did for you on the cross. So when you understand that, the question is now, how do you want to, uh-huh, how do you want to undo it, number one? Uh-huh, how do you want to undo it? So the question is now, say, but someone argues i, I say, hey, but if I believe to get saved, right? Sure, I cannot unbelieve to get unsaved. <laughs> I don't know, I guess some, 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 people, don't, some people don't know what a nature is, you got what i If anyone be in Christ, he's a new creature new creature mean you, means you never existed before. You understand what I'm saying? You are born from death. You get what I'm saying? So you never existed before. So how do you how do you change that? I don't, you know, it's a nature. It's a nature. It's a nature. You don't change a nature. So here there says they, they fall away. It says to renew them again unto repentance. Repentance is a change of thinking. You understand? Aha. Uh-huh. You can't change them. You can't renew them. You get. You can't read them again. It's a scene that they crucify to themselves the son of man afresh and put him to an open chain. So they are falling away. That is what they are falling away does. But it does not change who they are. You get. Aha. They are falling away does. They say they crucify him. You understand? To themselves. It says to themselves. Do you get what I'm saying? I had To fall away. It says they crucify him to themselves. Right? The son of man. And put him to an open chain. It's to themselves. But... If they fall away to renew them again. No, Notice the way the text is. No one ever said there, do you get? All you know is that it's impossible to renew them again. Do you get? They don't need to be renewed the again. They are already renewed. You get? It's impossible to renew them again. It is impossible. You know? Because there's the way the text looks. It says, it looks like it says, since they crucified, so it's more like oh, you, you did this to God. No, so you, you no, 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 no. Because there's already evidence all over the book of Hebrews. Okay, let's even, let me even show you something. Let me use the word eternal, and you're going to see how many times it's pop up in the book of Hebrews. Eternal. Just Hebrews alone, let's see, okay, aha, Hebrews 5 verse 9, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto them that obey him, okay, um, okay, see to eternal judgment. Um, verse 9, 9, verse 12, Hebrews 9, verse 12, it says, Neither by the blood of bull, of goats and cows, but by his own blood he entered once into the holy place, having obtained what? Eternal redemption. Did you see that? He obtained what? Eternal redemption. Eternal means it forever. Eternal redemption. It doesn't end. It doesn't change. It doesn't shift. You get what I'm saying? The same way your rewards in eternity are eternal. They don't. That means once you get into eternity, that's the end. It just you know, it doesn't change. Okay? Verse 14, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit, offer himself up without spot to God, pour your conscience on dead works of the living God? See that? Aha. Nine, verse 15, and for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the what promise of what eternal inheritance you see that so it is eternal it is everlasting it does not end see that Uh aha the point is that for you to think you can undo what christ has done (laughs) when you say you have been saved you know what saved means means rescued when we say rescue if i I like to put like this that if i was a good god right or let's just say I was a good parent, uh-huh. and we have terrible parents, by the way, but if I was a good parent, and I saw my child, you know, my child, maybe we went to Bad Beach or somewhere like, who goes to Babbage? Sorry. We went somewhere that has clean water. Mm-hmm. And my baby or something like, see my baby in the water, somehow, I don't know. I was so careless, and I did not see when that little infant crawled all the way away and is in the water. And I dive in and I rescue the child. Yeah. Why would I keep the child? Back beside the water, right? I just say, you know what, I think I'm maturing know. I just... You know, if I keep the child there, I'm, I'm leaving responsibility with that child, you get, to maintain what I just gave him or her. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm leaving the responsibility to you get the child. If I leave the child, but the child doesn't know better. So I'm leaving the responsibility to the child to I say, keep your maintain your salvation. What I just did for you, maintain it. You get. But no, if I was a thinking parent, if I pulled the child from there, I'll run across the street. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. I'll even leave that again. That that trip, that bitch, whatever, is over. It's true now. If you want to swim someone was one of your company. Almost drowned and you rescue the person. People will say, let's go and swim again. Is that what you do? Ah, trust Niger family, all of it is over. God is trying to tell us something. Let's back up. They're yeah, gone. So you get what I'm saying? By that, you understand, if you understand this picture, you'll get that the responsibility for your salvation is God's responsibility, not yours. If God is a good God, He takes responsibility for the salvation that He provided for you. You get what I'm saying? Yes, He takes responsibility. And that's why you see in, um, what was that text of Scripture? Is it Matthew or, um, what it says? I give to them eternal life, and they will never perish. You get, neither shall, you know, any pluck them from my father's hand. Let me see that. John, Abby. What is it? John 10, uh, 20-something, Abi. 28. Aha. Uh-huh. It says, and I give to them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck any pluck them out of my, my hand. He now says, my father which gave them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I and my father are what? One. So, <laughs> you understand? He's saying that, look, I'm the one holding on to you. You're not the one holding on to me. That's what he's saying here. It's not you struggling to be saved. -uh. He saved you and is holding you, amen. He says, none shall pluck you out of my father's hand. None. None can, in fact. He now says, My father is greater. So you have to emphasize he's greater. Of course, I am my father one, so I'm greater because I am the father. (laughs) Amen. Uh He is the father. So he now explains none can pluck you from my father's hand. None. Yes. So in salvation, you are not the one doing the saving, you are just doing the believing. You understand? He has taken you. So there's no fear. The last thing we're afraid of in Christ, you understand, is to fall into the enemy's hand. And by that I mean lose what God Christ provided. No. Uh-uh. That's why I say eternal. In fact, you see where let's in Hebrews, you see where he said once and for all. Once and for all. Let me let me see, you know. Let's look at that. Once and for all. How he uses the words. Okay. Gracias Is it? Okay, Hebrews 10, look at from verse, um, I, I actually like, like, I really like Hebrews 10, it says from verse 1, for the Lord having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of things can never with those sacrifices they offered year by year continually make the commerce perfect. You understand? In other words, it could, perfection there will be salvation, it could never get them saved. So with all their offerings and everything, their sacrifices, animals, it could never ever take away sin. Look at verse 2. It says, For then would they not have ceased to be offered? That is, if their sacrifices were doing what, what they thought he was doing, surely you would have stopped it now. If you are taking care of your sin, don't bring it again. Abby? But it says, Because the worshippers once poured would have had no more conscience or what? Consciousness of sin. And this is a very profound statement. In other words, it means that the moment you are saved in salvation, you are not to retain a consciousness of sin. The man who retains the consciousness of sin and condemnation is carnal. Because as much as yes, a believer can still still has the capacity to misbehave, right? We always say like this that you don't lose the ability to sin, but you lose the ability to enjoy it. At least for long. <laughs> if you used to be a slay queen or you know, I don't understand a slave thing now because Christians are now using it to slay mama, slay slay in Christ, slay for Christ, slay for Jesus I don't even understand I don't know what is what again I don't know what is what again uh-huh. slay please be slaying I don't know just don't bring it near me <laughs> you know You know. I think Christians, every time we try to Christianize everything, let something just be the world let's know it's the world and let's stay on our own You get ahead. Uh-huh. Must use their terms. Uh, say, we slay in Christ. Okay. They say I'm old school. I me just keep quiet. <laughs> it's true now. Uh, it's true that I'm old school. So, it's I'm old school. So, forgive me in your minds. Because I know maybe your status still has slaying for Jesus over so there. Forgive me. Eh? Forgive me. I don't mean it. Maybe I do, shall, but forgive me. So, but the worshippers once purified would have had a more consciousness of sin yeah so that's why right. that word consciousness is where you also get conscience you understand uh-huh. so this also tells you that what you call conscience can be is it conscientious or conscious of the wrong thing do you understand uh-huh. what you call conscience can be conscious of the wrong thing so your consciousness you get it says these people here obviously because the offering that they give did not purify them so the consciousness of sins remain. you understand? So when you have been re- renewed, you get what I'm saying. Why should your consciousness of sin remain? If you, if the sacrifice has done what you should do, which is Christ has died, forgiving your sins, why should you be conscious of them? You understand? This is not what the same as what Paul described as god, godly sorrow, in Second Corinthians. You get. For godly sorrow, the believer is grieving over what he did because it is not his nature. Do you understand? Uh-huh. It is not a performance act. It is not, that one is not unto God. You know, I don't know what I'm saying. That one, the guy has, you know, it's his nature he walks against. So by that, you know, walking against his nature, there's a grieving. Even what we call grieving the Holy Spirit. It's not that the Holy Ghost now becomes sad. Please. God is not like that too. Please. He's eh? just sad and crying. Please. Say, I heard God's tears. Mm. No, please it's not of course we know that god is god god can express emotions amen sometimes we also cry i don't but sometimes we also cry (laughs) we i do not personally do not but sometimes we also express spiritual emotions you get in the place of prayer worship during spiritual activities and everything we 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 see the heart of god through those things amen but when it comes to this one we are not because this one is because this consciousness brings condemnation. When you are sin conscious, it provides a barricade between you and God. You are conscious of sin, so if my sins, in quote, are ever before me, then God cannot look upon me. Do you understand what I'm saying? So there's a barricade, there's a distance between you and God. You get. However, when a person understands that you are saved from sin, you get. You have a new nature, and that puts responsibility on you. You get. Because a new nature confers that responsibility on you, when you actually mess up, do you understand? It's just being irresponsible. Oh, did someone get what I just said? Yes. That a new nature confers responsibility on you. I always like to use the words of To Be in Spider-Man, the first one. With great power comes great responsibility. We have the power, amen? Yes, we are the ones who have the power. He was talking about us. <laughs> you get it. Uh-huh. We are the ones who have that. So there's a responsibility to conduct ourselves properly. I was telling them in, you know, when I went, the other guy said that if you were given the nuclear launch codes of Nigeria, which I know we don't have, you understand? I'm sorry, but we don't. We don't. We would have killed each other a long time ago. We don't, I don't, I'm sorry, I'm not a patriot <laughs> like that. Uh, I am in Jesus' name, man. You know, if you are given nu- nuclear launch codes of a country, right? You know that you cannot just conduct yourself, conduct yourself anyhow, right? Because you understand that there's so much responsibility, and the way you behave with those things can either wipe out, the, can wipe out the whole nation. So your conduct, the way you behave, the way you act, do you get is different. The same thing when you have the nature of God inside you, that thing is like a ticking bomb, in the sense of the impact it can have. So a man called John Chilick, by having the nature of God inside him. You know, was arrested several times for practicing healing without a license because he healed so many people, and then that led to them eventually giving him a license, a medical license to practice. So you come to his hospital to be healed, except there's no medical instruments there, <laughs> only prayer and the power of the spirit. You get what I'm saying? Can you imagine that? That is what one man's you get responsibility caused. You have one man, Christ, through one man, right? Okay, you have one man, Adam, through one man, that irresponsibility, sin entered the world, and dead passed on all men for all sins. You now have another one man, through one man, Christ Jesus, right? As salvation comes through. So it tells you that, you know, but then the man, in Adam's case, there was this, the idea of being a progenitor, put responsibility on him, you get. In Christ's case, the idea of also being a progenitor, put responsibility on him, but for us, we have received, you get, Aha, uh-huh. like a price has been paid for us, and we have now received a package based on the sacrifice. So, first of all, the sacrifice puts responsibility on us. That is the way you handle that precious thing that was given to you, right? First. Then, second, the quality of what was handed over to you also places responsibility on you. You have not just received moimoy. You know what I'm saying? If they give you money, you can throw it on the streets. Man, no go vex. Who cares? You understand what I'm saying? But if you are given something precious, it means you are now, and you know, responsibility means that what you do with this thing, right, will determine some other things. Uh huh. Like every single, okay, let me put another thing, let me put another picture of that. As everybody is here, you are, I mean, a young person here, I assume everybody here should be single. I assume, aha, uh-huh, should be single. Maybe not. But, you know, you have, all of you have been given bodies. You understand what I'm saying? Fine boy, fine girl. But you know, what you do with that body, right, can usher in that era of, um, I don't want to say bastards, but it's true, like illeg- illegitimate sons, or you get. You can usher in an era of children who have no sense of bearing. You get. Some people here may come from such homes where, you understand? One man by one man's mistake, you understand, many were produced. So you have polygamy, you understand. You have a lot of heartache, you have a lot of heartbreak, you have a lot of issues. By one man's irresponsibility. And probably he didn't really see it like that. The person who did it wasn't really see it like that. You guys what just could not control his, did not con- not could not did not control his emotions and slept with several women. Now he has three baby mamas, he must take care of and warring wives, and worrying children, and all those things. I don't know I get what I'm saying. I'm trying to, to you that what you're given, how you use it, you get. There's responsibility. The way you use it determines some things. You always affect someone else. So in Christ, when we have received a nature, you understand? We received the nature. With that nature came in an assignment, that nature is love. That love must be shared. You understand? That, that nature is supposed to affect other people. It's supposed to usher other people inside. So it, it, it's it's not as I'm saved and no no no. The reason why on the day of judgment Christ will judge you and ask you what you did, you understand, is because the guy entrusted too much to you. He entrusted so much to you. Based on what he put inside you, there's an expectation. There's an expectation. Amen. Same thing like with the parable where he gives one one, gives one two, gives one five, whatever they way is up to you. But those talents are actually talking about money. But he gives one, you get what I'm saying? Because I gave you more, I'm expecting more. I didn't get what I'm saying. Uh-huh. For, for us, we've actually received the highest, which is what, the Holy Ghost. Do you understand? Our uh-huh. sins have been forgiven, we've been given much more. And that's why it's a responsibility. That, that love, that thing constrains you, it keeps you know. I've received something too precious. I can't conduct myself anyhow. I can't behave anyhow. Because you've also been given the ability to represent God. You've been given the privilege and ability to represent God. The way I conduct myself, the way I behave, the way I live my life, you understand, will actually determine whether some people actually, you know, how people will see God. So there are some cases or sometimes where I mean, there are things you just don't do, even if they look okay. Just because you know that this small thing you are doing, you get, can mask someone's image. That's why you see Paul will say, that, um, because it's about this conscience, do oh, you understand? Paul will say that a believer, a younger a believer who is more immature, you get, or who has less understanding, you that you know that you're in Christ, you can chop anything, chop salamite, eat it and clean your mouth, but the guy believes that man, ogun, or sorry, Allah. <laughs> Inshallah, he believes Allah. You understand? That that meat is for Allah. But you, you have to understand that the earth is the loss, the fullness of thereof. Everything belongs to God. So, I bet to concern me. And you chop your meat and go. You understand? But he says if there's a believer there I say, ah, maybe the guy already told you, say, Chai, see what these people are doing? Do? They're eating meat offered to devils. Sorry, game over. Once you hear that thing, you cannot touch that meat. You don't know. You can't touch the meat. You can't, because that guy's consciousness is still, you understand, Is still, is not mature. So, the guy in you, you know, said, I'll be like, fashi." you, you happen to understand it. So, you chop the meat. Clean mouth, man, too big. You're out, cut out. You know, you ate like a whole plate. The guy just took one and said, okay, Christ, I'll be in Christ. <laughs> I ate it. <laughs> That guy will go home and be so condemned. You understand? Become so condemned. Why? Because his knowledge base cannot handle what he just did. And you'll be judged for it. So you praying for Jesus. You say, "Why do you damn it?" <laughs> eh? Yes, he takes those things very seriously. Do you understand? Because like I said you have the you are the one who represents Christ to the world. Okay. So let's go to three. All this is just consciousness so we're we'll explaining. Three. But in no sacrifice, there's a reminder of sins every year. You see that? So the sacrifice that they were actually offering had one purpose. To re- one of the purposes was to remind them. So what you thought was taking away sin was there to remind them of sin. That is why the person who is still offering sacrifice today is a, and is illiterate. You get what I'm saying? It's spiritually illiterate. Because according to the Bible, these things that Moses gave them to do was to remind them of their sin. See that? Let's go. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. It cannot. You understand? And if he cannot take away sin, it means he cannot take away judgment. Let me say it again. If the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin, judgment comes because of what? Sin, Abhi? So, if he cannot take away sin, he cannot take away judgment. It can't. So, you also know that when they put the blood of that animal on the door in uh, Exodus and the angel of death fast, it's because of blood. <laughs> <The dead angel. laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? If the blood of animals cannot take away sins, do you understand? It cannot take away judgment. So that means that when they even put that blood on their doorposts, it was not because of ordinary animal blood. It couldn't do anything. That was God's divine, do you understand, protection on those people that night. Uh-huh. But he used that blood to point to salvation. He could not. See that? It cannot. See there? It cannot take away sin. Go and try it now. Carry blood and put it there. Go and try it. And you understand? If that's the case, you have the antidote now. Uh-huh. Just carry it and not spray everywhere. Say nothing will press me this night. He carried it. Put on your you know those person guys? You know them? Okay, I yeah, just you know them. <laughs> you don't know them? Thank God you don't know them. Those guys. It's witchcraft, don't mind them. Uh, it's witchcraft. And if you used to experience those things, you know that the antidote is just simple. Just grow spiritually, understand the authority you get understand your authority, and then keep your spiritual temperature hot. You know what I'm talking about. Let me say this. No amount of knowledge replaces prayer. Aha. Uh-huh. So, I mean, Christ? they can't be touched. <laughs> they will touch you and slap you. <laughs> Don't pray. You understand? Prayer is the exercise of that authority. Do you get uh-huh. Prayer is the exercise of the knowledge. When you pray, you are able to express what you know. Uh-huh. It's called spiritual temperature. And this also explains why you see a believer like, I'm a hit. You understand? They say, did you hit the guy? Why? He's just shouting, I'm in Christ everywhere. No, he's not praying. You know what I'm saying? Consciousness plays a very strong role. You know who you are. You understand? But prayer is a release of what is in your consciousness. Consciousness is the creating force. You know what I'm saying? You know, prayer is what generates the power to create. So they work hand in hand don't carry one and leave the other you don't also pray you know you pray so much and no consciousness as a woman could say they will eat your lunch and pop, pop the back <laughs> eat it out Pow! finish you You must have both so verse five therefore when he came into the world he said sacrifice an offering you do not desire but the body you prepared for me so you know, see that obviously this is talking He's quoting i think david and he's saying that sacrifice offering you did not desire. Why? Because sacrifice offering was never the intention, was never the plan. Do you understand? Uh-huh. It was never God's original plan. It says, But the body you are prepared for me. Obviously, he's talking about his own body because he is the sacrifice. You see that? The body, he is the sacrifice. Next verse. In bonds offering and sacrifice for sin, you will have no pleasure. So, what were they doing all those years? Just offering, 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 offering. What were they doing? Next. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written to what? To do your will, O God. Next. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, bonds, offerings and offerings for sin, you do not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Are you seeing that all those things were under the laws of Moses? Next. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. So look at this. So what is the will of God there? Look at it. He explains. He takes away the first and establish the second. What is the first? sacrifice and offering what is the second a body so you see that the sacrifice and offering was actually supposed to be his body because he was the real sacrifice he was the real offering are you seeing that okay move on by that will we have been sanctified that means made holy through the offering of the body of jesus christ what once and what for all are you seeing that once and what for all it means once and for all It means it happened just once, and it was for what? For all. All eternity, all people, all time. You see that? Let's move on. 11. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Just to show how those of you that want to call yourself priests, you know, or Levitical priests, guys, see how much of a failure their office was. Yes, that's the conclusion of the Levitical priesthood. Aaron's with all that nonsense that they were wearing in the end is a failed is a failed ministry. Because everybody starts ministry daily, offering the same sacrifice, which I never take away So what was the guy? So you think about this, um my you know what I'm saying? So what my priesthood is a is a failure. Yes, because it can't do anything. He's a priest. And that's why believers today are not priests according to the Levitical order. You understand? But not we have no dealings. That's why he say uh, when we say believers are like kings and priests, you understand? He explains that Christ is a priest according to the order of Melchizedek. He now says, without father or mother, you understand? Without beginning of days or end of life, you understand? Talking about the fact that he had no genealogy. There was no genealogy attributed to Melchizedek. So the, the priests, you know, when you say, you say, Aaron begat this, Aaron, all of them, they had a genealogy. You go and say, we can trace it to man. Do you understand? But Melchizedek's own was never recorded. He was actually a king. He was, wasn't Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? He wasn't. But he was a king. But it was not recorded how he, you know, his whatever. You know, there was no genealogy recorded. You could not trace him to the Levitical priesthood. You understand? So he says that Christ came according to order of Melchizedek. You cannot trace him to a physical priesthood like this. You understand? You can't. So believers are, are kings and priests, but not according to... So that's why we don't, you know... Yes, you see sometimes people in some places, they would even wear Aaron's, that's in the Aaron wear. You understand? Wear his cloak, you know, the effort and everything. You don't, that is dead works. You don't. You don't. It's not, we have no business of dealing with that. Are you with me? Yes. We, are, we belong to a new priesthood, the priesthood of Christ. It's not, it looks nothing like Aaron's priesthood. You understand? Aha, it looks nothing like that. So, the sacrifice which I never take away sins. Amen. If Christ belongs to that order, that means him too. He can what? Never take away sins. So let's move on. But this man, you know, someone said it like that. When I mean, you read it, say, but this man, you read it, uh-huh. After he had offered one sacrifice, one. Someone say one. It says this was offered what? Many. Abi. Animals. But this man offered what? One sacrifice for sins what? Forever. Do you know what this thing means? It means that there is actually no sin, eh? Hi, sometimes this is the heart me because sometimes I know how people's minds can, can take these things. But there's actually no particular sin that is powerful enough, you understand, to send you to hell. <laughs> oh God, I, don't want to, I, didn't, I didn't want to say that, I'm sorry. There's none, amen? There's none, because you know the problem is that people might say, eh, are you serious? So I can do what I want. No, that's why I spoke about responsibility first. Do you understand? Yes. The one, the person who says I'll live anyhow because of that is a very irresponsible, you understand, ungrateful wretch of a Christian. Yes, the one that lives anyhow. Because you say, Well, oh, of course I'm saved, so I'll do anything. I want no. You do not understand the responsibility. Neither do you appreciate the sacrifice, you understand, that was actually put in place to bring you to where you are how do you say thank you god for what you have received you say that by 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 following your nature Do you understand that's how you say thank you god you surrender to the nature if he gave you a new nature right you surrender to it that is how you actually serve the lord that is how you say thank you if your nature is now sinless why would you go and live in sin amen so he says, but this man, after he had worked, offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. That word, sat down, you understand. Sat down is not a literal sitting down. It's a figurative sitting down. Amen? Aha. So, the right hand of God is just talking about the authority. You know, talking about the spirit of God anyway. So, he was established, not authority. So, next verse. Okay. Wait the next verse. Let's see. Anything? For by one offering he has what? Perfected what? Forever. Those who are being what sanctified. Are you seeing that? Someone say I'm perfected forever. Oh no, say it like you believe it. I'm perfected forever. I'm perfected forever. Yes. Yes. i would perfected it out. It's finished. So there's no more work for Christ to do. So when you now read all this and you now go back to Hebrews 6 that says you get cannot renew them again. You understand what I mean by there's nothing to renew? Because it's a perfect work. So, yes, it's perfect forever, once and for all. You get what I'm saying? That is why the person who is not saved will go to hell. Why? You know, the person who who, who refuses to believe the God will go to hell because there's no other sacrifice. It's a perfect sacrifice. There's nothing else that God can do. All he could do, he has done. In Christ. (laughs) All. So, when you ignore that and say to hell, <laughs> you go to hell. <laughs> you go to hell because there's nothing else. There remained no more sacrifice for sins. There's not that one. It's once and for all, it's done, perfected, finished, settled. It's gone. It's done. See that? It's done. It's done. So, so, so the guy who backslides and everything. He's still God's own. Amen? Remember we said the responsibility for you, for your salvation, for keeping you saved, and in this case we are now talking specifically about saved from Satan, which is saved save from hell and everything. It's God's responsibility. And he, something has already done and he sat down. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh-huh. He sat down. So it's not uh, just to show you that guy, I'm done. You know what I'm saying? Aha. Uh-huh. Because then all, those, all the other priests used to stand to minister. They used to stand. They could never sit down because the work was never finished. <laughs> but you see this man, and he finished. He did it once. What did he do? Sat down. That word was established. It is finished, settled. So if you're here and you always the type that you confess your sins ten times before you sleep. Father, uh, forgive me. Everything I've done will do... You know, thinking of doing, uh-huh, <laughs> my do. Uh-huh, for forgive me, Lord. You now sleep quickly. I that one I used to do it. I would just list my sins and sleep quickly, so that if I die in my sleep, amen. <laughs> at least I covered the basics. <laughs> you know, that's torment. You get what I'm saying? That's what we call what we read earlier. Was what a consciousness of sin, sin conscious. You understand? What do you read when Paul said, nothing can separate from the love of God? What do you think? He thinks nothing can separate from emotions. that you are that what you are reading into that thing? Nothing can separate from the love of God. And you are saying in your mind, nothing can separate from emotions. Oh, hugs. God cannot. God does. So you won't even want to go to hell. God does, you know? Uh-huh. Yes. Say said nothing. Say said no height or nothing in all of creation, including the devil. Amen. Including sin. Amen including death, it says can't separate us from that love. Nothing. Nothing. It's eternal what he did. So, this kind of thing, what it should do to you, do you get? It should produce a kind of behavior. It should produce a kind of conduct inside you. It should produce a fervency inside you. It should produce a confidence inside you. I'm saved. You understand? You become spiritually arrogant in a good way. You get know what I'm saying? Yes, I'm saved. There's a conflict. See, when you understand this kind of facts, you can look at a man like Bill Gates, a wealthy man, and, and, and you can see what he really is, that this man is poor. Yes. You can actually look at him. You know, is that kind of compassion that will lead you to go and preach to him. When we preach to people, it's from compassion, no? Do you understand? It's not because they told us to go and preach. If you really understood what we just said here, you understand? Ha. Let me even show you. Um, I think is this. I think is this. Ten twenty six. Uh, let me see. Okay, let's read down. Fifteen. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he has said before, uh, let's go, this is the covenant that I make with them after those days of the oh, Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and their minds. I will write I will write them. Okay? Then he adds, their sins and their lawlessness I will what remember no more. You have to understand, why will he remember no more? <laughs> remember that he's not talking about the fact that he has amnesia, no. Remember, there is talking about my father, they will not be considered. They will not be counted. You know what I'm saying? Yes, they will not be counted. They will not be considered. They will not be used against you. I have to understand from day one, God was never the accuser. It was never God's will or God's pleasure to take sin and flog you. Just like a father will never have pleasure as being a judge to sentence his own son, you understand, to, you know, who has committed the crime, it can never be the father's heart to enjoy sentence you get no but he's saying that based on what he has been able to do you understand in christ jesus that because of that he said your lawless deeds will not be remembered they will not be accounted or imputed to you it will not be counted against you because of what he has done amen next now where there is remission of these there is no longer an offering for sin are you seeing this when there's remission of sin there's forgiveness there's no longer what an offering there's no need for it are you seeing that so the question is let me ask you what offering would you give if you understand in christ jesus if when i want to say offering i'm talking about what you do to appease god in quotes you know to avert judgment on your head right if this is already dealt with and taken care of in christ jesus what sacrifice would you give or what would you do is it father forgive me is it God's which one what would you do to avert the judgment that has already been averted and this is also why there are some prayer points that we don't pray here for example let's pray for the sins of the nation which sins I don't know if you know what I'm saying the question is that Christ's work was it powerful enough to wipe away well, where one says you know the bible talks about it says not our sins but the sins of the whole world do you get whole world past present future so, is Nigeria part of the whole world? So, how are we praying for the sins of Nigeria if Christ has already paid? Does that make any sense? Yes, that's why some prayers we don't pray. We don't pray, Lord, you know, we come together to intercede for the nation, no. Can we come to pray for Nigeria? Yes. That God's spirit will have more prom- prominence in Nigeria? Yes. That the gospel will preach in Nigeria? Yes. That God will raise more better leaders? Yes. Do you understand? But concerning sin... It's been something that has been, you guys what I'm saying, dealt with. It's, it's gone. Unless you don't believe that. So we don't bring any atonement. We don't. So, you know, our, our fathers have sinned. Wait, do you know what this also means? This also means that the idea of generational curses or something like that, eh, that talks about sins, you get that... Um, and I'm even talking about how to deal with the kidney, because I think we've been able to establish that there are people actually that have caused people, and it travels because there was a cause, you understand. But you who is the man in Christ, they say everyone in your eyes, in your family, all of them wear glasses, or you know, when they reach 40, they die, all those kind of funny, funny things. You have to understand that you, your consciousness of you understand what Christ has done is what, is what sets you free from that nonsense. They say it's happening to in the family, but when you understand this thing, that number one, Satan, if you, say, if you say someone did something, i your great-grandfather did something, so they cost him and he's traveling, no, 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 but look at this, you understand know what I'm saying, uh-huh, you see, is the propitiation, that propitiation, that word is like, it's a, it's a law term, I think, I forgot what it, what it means, but propitiation for our sins, and not just our sins, more like the payment, I think, for our sins, and not just our sins, but also for the whole world, it covers everybody, there's nobody that has not you get is not partaking of this thing here there's nobody it covers everybody so when you understand this one they say your great-grandfather did this and did that i said oh god show the scripture look at it says no also for the whole world i'm part of the whole world do you understand my sins have been taken away not like the jews that they offer sacrifices to cover their sins you know that was sweeping under the carpet but it's still there you get and they're managing no in my own is taken away it is not remembered. It can never be counted. Not remembered there is like, you know, when it says not remember no more, it means that you cannot bring it from anywhere to accuse me. Do you hear what I'm saying? It is no longer sufficient evidence. That's what I'm saying. You know, in the courts, you know, there's evidence. This is what you have done based on this evidence. You are condemned. But in Christ Jesus, what you call evidence has been destroyed. Actually, it's been pinned on someone. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> someone, the evidence now points to someone else. You understand what I'm saying? It doesn't point to you anymore. You, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So it's not like the evidence is no longer, I don't know. No. There was evidence, there was sin. But what? The Bible says they laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So that sin was what's pinned on him. The evidence not, does not point to you. So there is no condemnation accusation. Satan, so let me tell you. So Satan, when Satan comes to use sin to rubbish, you?" see my guy, don't you know the sin was put on him? In other words, he is the one that bears the responsibility. I'm free to go. He bears it. I cannot, I, you cannot put it on me. Why are you, you know? He's going to come to remind you of sin. They condemn. come to remind you of sin. You know, we've said before that sin is not Satan's business. It's family business. We dealt with it within the family. He's not his business. He's an outsider. He doesn't get to tell us. You understand? He doesn't get to tell us, tell me I've sinned. Where my own father doesn't even tell me? You. <laughs> hey, don't do that. Hey, guy. hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. Watch, watch. It, hey. It's true. When you understand this thing, you can knock Satan out of every area of your life. Right? You say this is happening to me because of whatever. What? What? No. If anything happens to you, it's more of your consciousness of sin. Do you get know what I'm saying? Is your con- your your guilty conscience? Do you get know what I'm saying? That is the lies Satan of, Satan operates in condemnation. He operates in condemnation. That's how he operates. You give him, give him, <laughs> give him room. Allow him to feed your mind with those lies. You know, you, uh, you know, you're this sinner and everything, uh, because you did this and everything. You don't even deserve God to bless you. you he keeps on telling you all those things and you now begin to accept it. That's how you move, make his move. Yes. He tries to instill in you a consciousness that is contrary to God's word. And by that, by that shuts down what you should receive by your awareness of what Jesus has done. Yes. You know, we're teaching on consciousness before I left. He right? shuts down that consciousness. We understand that look, the guy has paid. Which one? Which sin now? Which? So, and that just is, it, it boggles me because you see somebody here, the Lord, for, for what? Forgive us for what? For what? Do you understand what I'm saying? We don't live from that place of sin. We live from a righteousness consciousness. Righteousness is not, oh, I'm in Christ, so yeah, I can live anywhere. No, that's not righteousness. No, no, no. Righteousness is that, no, I do not sin. <laughs> In fact, the way they put the it, he who is born of God cannot sin. That is the nature, I cannot sin. The nature is a sinless nature. I live from righteousness. So when I'm in my Christian work and I begin to say, hey, man, I see masturbation, I see some other things that are, you understand, I see some things coming up that are not who I am. It's an identity thing. I know, I, this is, you get the same way you see sickness and you resist it. Uh-huh. when you see behavior, you get that's like sickness when you see behavior that is not of God it's sickness too, do you understand? the same way you say I refuse to be sick See, say I refuse to use this kind of language yes you know what I'm saying uh-huh. I refuse to make such decisions I refuse to let my flesh rule me yes I refuse it they all on the same uh, whatever you get. You live from righteousness. I refuse. You know it's from righteousness you resist sickness and all those things. I'm righteous just going to Christ Jesus. You get what I'm saying. Ah, do you know what's inside me? Hey, flip it. It's from that place. That, is it, you know, the righteousness is bold as a lion. There's something that this thing does to you when you know who you are. Yes, condemnation. <laughs> not really condemn, condemn, condemn. From there, depressed, depressed, depressed. can laugh about this, but these things are true, you know what I'm saying? At times when they are just weighed down, you know what I'm saying? They're just weighed down, and there are things externally telling you, your sense is externally telling you, you understand that this is who you are. Telling you See, has, you can't see because it has not worked. Can't you see your family? Can't you see the kind? things that are telling you, speaking to you constantly, And this is who you are. But we live from that, con- you, you have to train yourself to live in that consciousness, in that awareness. You do it by staying on the word. You do it by meditation. You do it by talking to yourself. Every morning you talk to yourself. You talk to yourself. Let me say, you don't think to yourself, you talk to yourself. You know what I'm saying? Don't just, no, sorry, don't just think to yourself. You talk to yourself. You talk. Talking has a way of, you understand? Talk. You talk. You talk. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Don't no, let us be a cliche that word men use. Hey, go, hey, hey, hey. To you, it should go beyond those things. Whenever you say it, it should have a personal meaning to you. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you, in meditation, you see the application in your life. The righteous does not do this. The righteous does not do that. The righteous does this. The righteous does that. It should be an application for your life. There's behaviors we should never see you in because you are the righteousness. You know what I'm saying? I see you in fornication. Even if I see you in fornication, you are the righteousness. Do you understand? So it is like a contradiction to see righteousness in fornication. It is, it is, it is unnatural. In fact, let me even say it doesn't exist. It doesn't. So there are things that, just, you know, that we just abstain from because we know who we are. That thing, that, that salvation that has come into you, that has been invested in you, that has, you understand, sins taken away. No, I'm, so when I understand I'm a free man, <laughs> I'm a free man, it, it does something, there's gratitude, amen? Okay, go back to that Hebrews, let's see, let's continue and see, I want to see something. Okay, next, verse 18. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. Are you seen that? There is no sacrifice. So sacrifice there would have to be performance-based. So it's not because you say, God forgive me, that God forgives you. God already forgave you before you were even born, in this case. Do you understand? And the forgiveness was that, not that he said, okay, people have tried, I forgive you. No. God never sought to hold anything against you. And when he could do something about it through Christ, he did. <laughs> Amen. Let's move next verse. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, look at this. Therefore, brothers, since we have what? Confidence. You see that? Confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. So, it's talking about salvation, right? That the brothers and sisters here, brothers here, is not talking about us who are saved because you see we have already entered. Do you get? Uh So, because the blood of Jesus is talking about what he did. You understand what I'm saying? Is not blood. Is the blood in here. It talks about his sacrifice. Sacrifice, sacrifice. We're talking about sacrifice. So, we have confidence. So, anybody who hears the message of salvation has what? Confidence. You understand? To the most holy place. Actually, this most holy place is a realm. It's actually what we call the right hand of God. And guess what? You know, in salvation, right? We come into God's presence. But... That coming to God's presence is actually that God's presence comes into us. God's Spirit comes into us. So we have confidence actually to receive the Spirit of God. There's a confidence. The Spirit of God cannot stay, you understand, in something that's unclean. So in other words, He's the one that cleansed it. He's the one that cleans us to come and stay inside. Let's go, next verse. By a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is what his body, open for us through that is his body. So, notice his body is the sacrifice. So, by his sacrifice, he's open for us through the curtain. That is now, notice this curtain. This curtain is talking about what (laughs) he's talking about the curtain in the temple that separated the most holy place from the other courts. So notice that by his death, in, the, in real life, that curtain was torn when he died. You understand? Signifying that there was a way in. You understand? Uh-huh. Signifying that there's a way in. So it's open for us, through the curtain, that is what? His body. See that? See that? Yeah. Let's move on. Next verse. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, <laughs> says great what, priest, Meaning superior to that Levitical priesthood that could not take away sin. Come, next verse. Let us draw near to God with a word, sincere heart in full assurance. Notice the full words, assurance. There is confidence. You understand? See, the message of salvation eh, is supposed to inspire confidence in the heart of an unbeliever. When you preach, your goal is not just to convince the person, but to inspire confidence in the person this is a sinner who can never come before god you understand who is a condemned criminal can never come before god but by the time you finish explaining the gospel there should be a confidence that's what we call faith you understand what i'm saying yes that's your that faith the gospel, the message of the gospel has faith has a confidence when you hear what happens faith comes into you you have faith to receive you understand you now realize, oh, he has actually done it. The confidence comes from the fact that the responsibility is not on me. Someone has already done it. Can you ever have confidence to walk into a bank and cash a check, check of ten million naira in your own state? Probably no. But if <laughs> you know someone you know who can actually, you know, write that kind of check, writes a hundred million naira check, you understand? In fact, I'm paying into the bank. You know, when you walk into the band, there is what? Confidence based on information that I have. So you can actually confidently walk in there, you understand? To withdraw 10 million naira. Because you know the check will not bounce. You know they will not show insufficient funds. You understand what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Because, you understand, there's a confidence. That information has instilled what? Confidence. You see that? So there's a confidence. Let us draw to God with this. He has a full word, assurance of faith. Full assurance. The man who is not saved, when you preach to him, there should be full assurance. So, by the time I get to the point, say, You don't tell us, do you believe that Christ died? You understand? The facts have convinced him. And by that conviction, he knows that there's there's a boldness that will come with the conviction. There's an assurance that comes with the conviction. He knows he can trust in this thing, he can take it to the bank. So, when he says, You know, talks about Christ coming to my heart. He believes that just because raised from the dead. But says, if you believe in your heart, the Lord just like, confesses to your mother that God raised from the dead. You will be what? Saved. There's an assurance that you will be saved because you believe it. There's an assurance. So he said, draw near with what? Assurance. You are sure. You are assured. Confidence, Boldness. Now that to us, who are going to preach there's boldness because we know what we understand what we've been saved from. You know what I'm saying? The confidence doesn't end when you say you believe. The confidence is a life. It becomes a life. It becomes a lifestyle. The righteous is bold like a lion. There's something to be confident about. We have confidence towards God and because we can face God, we can face the world. So you face a world that has no confidence in themselves because you see, they don't believe God is confident in them. They don't. True confidence comes from the fact that God has your back. It doesn't most people in this life, their confidence comes from themselves. That's the, that's the name. their confidence comes from, from, from things. That I do with the house. What is, what is that? They hit the house crumbles, you are finished. But when your confidence is eternal, it's the absolute kind of confidence. When your assurance is eternal, something that cannot be moved. It can't be moved. Then your confidence cannot be shaken. Nothing in this life can be shake, can shake it. You lose your family, lose whatever, nothing shakes it. But you see the world. You know there are people that confidence come from their body, you know? The way they look and everything. There are models for women, maybe women or men. You know there's they they pride themselves in the way they look. And the, the problem with that is that the day that that thing begins to fade, you see, you see the people like Hollywood, they will do anything to keep themselves looking young. Botox and all those things because their confidence is in that thing. Yes, so that thing cannot go. Even when they are finished. Full assurance. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. You understand? A conscience that is not always condemning us. You know, our hearts are sprinkled. Now, that word "sprinkle" is what the high priest would do once a year where he goes with the animal and he dips his hand in, you know, in the blood of the animal and, you know, they sprinkle it on the mercy seat. That's why he does once a year, to, you know, and then the, the sins of ignorance would be, let me use the word, pardon in quotes for a year, covered for a year. Then next year he has to do it again and again. So here he says, having our hearts sprinkled, he says the same term, sprinkled. He says, to cleanse us from a guilty conscience or from a sin consciousness. You see that? And having our bodies washed with pure water. Now, remember in Hebrews um, 6, he talks about baptisms, I mean, washings purifications, right? And he says, but is washed with pure water. He describes this water as pure. You understand what I'm saying? Because it's not water, amen? It's symbolic. But he said, this is pure water. Not that's what they, they did, that ritual they did. This is pure water. This is actually talking about the Spirit. Let's go, next verse. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promises is worth. Faithful. So, see that? Hold fast the confession of your hope without wavering. That means be confident about it, be assured. He who promised is faithful. Next verse. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Next. Not forsaking and present ourselves as a manner of someone, but one another as so much as you see the day approaching. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay, okay. Next. For if we sin, now look at this. If we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, these are not what someone can use to say, Kaishe, you can see. <laughs> uh-huh. For we sing willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains the sacrifice of sins. Now, notice it says we will sing willfully after we have received the words. Is it, you know, is it the truth or the knowledge of the truth? The knowledge you get. So in other words, after you have heard, <laughs> do you get what I'm saying? Uh-huh. You know, I can receive you and not accept what you do. What you bring. Aha, I received you, I listened to you. After I've received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains sacrifice of sin. Why? Next verse. But a certain fearful expectation of what? judgment and the fairing indi- and fair indi- which will devour the adversaries. Okay? So, go back. Verse 27, 26. So, we sin willfully. Willful sin in there has to do with the fact that if you now hear after everything he has said about salvation, right? That sin there will be to... Sin means to miss the mark. So, after you heard everything about the, 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 what worker has done, remember they said there's a confidence, right? So, that confidence, you heard what should be, make you confident towards God. That is a way. And then you willfully reject it. You've heard it. You've seen the facts. And you say... I don't care, it's not true, I don't want it. He said there's no longer a remaining sacrifice for sins. Why? Because the only sacrifice you get that has been made has covered all. There's nothing outside of what Jesus did that can save you.
1: There's
0: nothing. There's nothing. So when you see the unbeliever, a very sad. The man is about is rejecting the only thing that can save him. When he rejects it, the only thing that can save you, you reject it. The only thing. The only thing. Do you know what it means to miss the last lifeboat? Let's say, you were, you know, there was a hurricane or something, and people are on their rooftops. You know how it is that water is covered everywhere, and your rooftop is the only place you can stay. Have you ever seen those kind of videos? And you see lifeboats boats and helicopters. And imagine they've swept an air, because those places are so large. And they've swept it for hours. They've been passing, passing, saying, you know, the same thing, enter, enter, enter. And the last one passes and goes. In fact, in this case, there's only one light boat. (laughs) There's only one, and you miss it. (laughs) They preach to you, ignore it. He says, there remains no sacrifice. Next. He says, but what? A certain fearful... You see that the other one gave you confidence towards God, right? Faith, this one, because you rejected it, there's a fearful expectation. Expect means it's a short thing. You should expect it. It's a short thing of judgment. The judgment that has been averted in Christ. You see know, there was judgment hanging. Then Christ, in Christ, judgment is averted because Christ took the punishment. Do you understand? <laughs> but when you refuse to accept the the thing is still hanging there. It falls on you. <laughs> On you, and fairy indignation, nothing is wrath, which will devour the enemies. See that? Yes. <laughs> Amen. So you see that it is talking. This is still about the gospel and the fact that <laughs> you know the one who has believed, we not wasted our time. Yes. These are eternal realities. They have nothing to do with how you look, what you wear, what you own. It's eternal. The man who is eternal, let me say this cannot be killed. Because we will live forever. Do you understand? We will live forever. Paul said, Do I cast out of this tent? You know, it talks like that. <laughs> we will live forever. We don't fear death. We don't. What we have received, as I said, places responsibility on us. So when we talk about evangelism, you go out there, there's a confidence you go with, there's a boldness. With the clear gospel explained. Say, look this life boat you don't know whether you will see this life boat again you don't know you don't know whether you will see it again the opportunity is here receive it it's simple it is a simple message but this message is the message of the century this is a timeless message it does not change it doesn't change and people need to hear it but you first of all you see that the gospel has two sides the side that ministers to you as a believer you see that what he has done, it affects you. You go back to it. You find in the gospel is your identity. You find yourself inside it. And from that confidence, you go out. When a person sees you, let me say this, you know, because many times we are intimidated by material things. The person you will not preach to many times is the person who looks okay materially. The moment the person looks okay materially, I'm telling you, you know why as I, said, I travel and everything, I think you can be there and not pray three days, because here, the things we pray about, Father, let there be light. You understand all those things. The things we pray about here are sorted out over there, and that's why this materialistic gospel is useless over there. It's very useless, honestly. Well, it's useful in some areas, you know, for them, but many of these we say here, you will get a visa. It's useless. It's useless. With their American visa, they can, however, they are, they have access to how many countries automatically. They don't pray about it. If I don't give them now, let them apply. Don't give them. You understand? Don't give them now. You understand what I'm saying? There are no prayer points. So they, they, are, they there's a confidence they have in what, what, in the things, in material things. They have a confidence. That's why it's, going, it's kind of worse over there because there's a confidence they have in, you understanding things. In their plans. So, you know, I just keep on walking, 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 and I buy a house. I'll do this, I'll do this. They are planned out. They seem to have figured things out. You understand? No need to believe in the power of God. I'll go for health care. I'll, you know, do this. And their lives are structured. Some people go to they I even preach. Just see white person. <laughs> Say, no, you are the righteousness of God. <laughs> just by being white, you are the righteousness of God. No. Go in peace, go with peace, go in peace. You know. <laughs> but they need it, do you understand? The richer, you know, the day, the day you'll be like Paul that looks at governors, governors, you understand, are seated, and he said, I wish you were like me except for these chains. In other words, stand and look, I'm in a better place than you, yes. I look chained now, but I'm not chained, they're the ones who are chained, yes. Can you have confidence, you get what I'm saying, to look at rulers, look at wealthy people, you understand? Look at, you know, in some cases, even your boss needs the gospel. Yes, you look at the man. He's running things. He looks powerful. Well, that man can? I know. Yesterday, there's something that happened. You know, I went, was it yesterday or today? I think it was. No, it was yesterday. Yesterday, I went to do something and there's something that happened. And there was someone that sought to, de- you know, because of status, you know, sought to demean me. You know, in those kind of situations, it's just the nature inside you that constrains you. It just constrains you. Because there are many things I could have done to that woman. <laughs> many things. Because I'm superior. Like if you saved, while well, on the same level, but my by my knowledge, by my experience, by my I'm superior to you. And by that. And I know what I could do to you. It's true now. There are some things that the power of God inside us should not be useful. There was a certain man who was wronged, a certain uh, pastor who was a certain bank, you know, really wronged him and his ministry, I think, in China, and the man got up, stood outside the bank and declared that that bank be shut down. In one week, a bank that was, imagine like GT Bank, or let's say some, one strong bank, unforeseen, unexplained circumstances, bam, it was shut down, you understand? That's the power in your mouth. Though. So the thing about that—the nature of Christ inside you—do you understand? Is now like a valve or whatever for that power. It's what determines. That nature is what determines. You know, you yielding to your nature is what determines what that power is used for or not. It's true. I said it before. I said a believer eh, can use word of knowledge to steal. Do you know that? You can use word of knowledge to steal. Yes actually pops his credit card you can, get, you, can, you can take his card and pick his pin by the spirit <laughs> you can pick it by word of knowledge pick it, go to your and put it there and withdraw money, it doesn't make it right because it's your nature it's true you can translocate to go and do nonsense and appear, pap, appear somewhere else translocate and do nonsense, come back <laughs> that you see consciousness and no all good. Day. But you get what I'm saying? That the, the the ability inside us, what it is capable of, uh, if you understand that the man in Christ is like Christ, you know that the power in us has endless possibilities. We've not even I'm telling you, combined John G. Lake, uh what do you call it? Uroeta, what we what, go all the five general books volume combined. Those guys have not even scratched the surface of what is possible with that power. I say it's the power that raised Christ from the dead. The greatest display of power. Do you know why that thing is? The, a dead, see, let me explain something. We don't understand what that thing means. The wages of sin is death. Christ should have been kept in the grave. Nothing should bring that man out. Don't get that. The wages of sin is death. Christ died for our sins. Nothing should bring him out. That's the power of death. Nothing should bring him out. But it says that spirit raised Jesus from the dead. The greatest display of God's power was not when he made the world, it was when he raised Christ from the dead because nothing should bring him out. But for that power, to to go beyond death and bring him out. (laughs) That's why when we talk about the display of God's power in the epistles, they don't talk about the making of the world. They talk about being raised from there. They talk about a new creation. We are God's masterpiece. The greatest use of God's power. The greatest display of God's power. Greatest. <laughs> ah. So he says that the power that raised Jesus from death dwells in his you doesn't so anyway, understand that thing. That power conquered death. <laughs> yes. Death cannot look you in the face again. <laughs> Can't look you in the face. Some even go as far as says, when I say when death faces you to come think, you say, guy, I died. So Have you forgotten? I died. You are looking for the wrong see that guy. Go back to where you were. the guy you are looking for was dead. This is a different person you're looking at. Conquer death. The Bible calls death the enemy. Raised Jesus him. from the dead. It wasn't a small feat, though. It wasn't a small feat. It wasn't a small feat. Because death is what had defeated us for thousands of years. Death has kept us, and then that thing raised him from the dead. That power. It's not, it's not, it's not been. And that power now resides in us. Amen. Uh-huh. Hallelujah. <laughs> I have you learned something today. <laughs> eh? How many of you learned something today? Okay. 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 So what did you guys learn? I think there are just two people that we learned and we'll be out of here. One or two people. Two people. What did you learn? Okay? Okay, so I learned that the nature that someone gets, as soon as the person is now a you and it's perfect. So whether or not personally or not, so there's nothing
1: to do with you, that nature is perfect. uh Uh into the nature
0: okay awesome awesome it places responsibility you understand the value of it places responsibility on you you understand to lift others out of that darkness you understand okay we can even call it moral responsibility. You understand? It's like a man that discovers a cure to HIV. You understand? There's a, a moral obligation that man has to tell others about it. Same way, when we receive salvation, there is an obligation to not keep it to ourselves. A responsibility to let others know. Amen? Okay, second person. Second person.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. It's it, yes, the capacity that God has. Mm-hmm. He says that God is endless, his capacity. So whatever the body is inside, it's endless. It just depends on how much you press into it. Mm-hmm. That okay. And then on uh, my way down here, I was I was just thinking of the resurrection. I was like, I would really love to hear something about the resurrection. And he ended by saying something about the resurrection. And Christ had no, in my own words, Christ had no. In our life, after he died, for us that we should live before, because of a particular power, because of a particular personality, the Holy Spirit, uh, that you know, just really confounded all you know, the rulers. Even when I was playing, I was playing all the rulers of darkness, comprising the power. So you know, just hearing that it was like, Wow. Mm-hmm. So that's that, I learned those things those two things. No
0: so you can see sometimes it's just someone that is pushing you around spiritually. Even you're ministering, it's just somebody that is just pushing you. Sometimes you just say something, you don't know that it's somebody that is. It's true. And you teach as much as we should stay in line so that it's comprehensive. You get, but sometimes you just you just say some things and you find out that no, somebody's heart. You get hard questions
1: and need to be answered. Amen.
0: Okay, so I guess we've learned something.